Hang on to your tractors. Here's another update. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Some thunder boomers ranging across Wisconsin on this final day of March. Good morning, everyone. I'm Farm Director Pam Youngke. Now, the good news is a lot of this rain is going to move through by about 9 o'clock this morning. The not-so-good news is we've kind of got rain or precipitation in the forecast for most of the weekend. Today, we're looking for our daytime highs to touch out around 54 degrees. Uh, probably extending into the evening and overnight hours as far as the rain is concerned. And then on Saturday, we'll look for a daytime high around 42. Sunday should be dry in 58. Monday dry in 59, but then more rain in the forecast starting Tuesday. Temperatures back in the low 50s. Stumacher Ag Meteorologist, of course, has weather details. And today is our final reminder to become involved as a rainfall reporter with the National Weather Service. You can find out details on how you can help them with the accuracy of their forecast. Go to wisconsinweatherwatchers.org. wisconsinweatherwatchers.org. Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Farm success, what all farmers are working toward. This is Jill Walkie from the northern end of the world's longest barn here in Eau Claire. I had the opportunity to talk to Dr. Brady Brewer. He's an assistant professor at the Department of Agriculture Economics from Purdue University at the recent PDPW conference in Wisconsin Dells. I attended his enlightening session, and then afterwards we started talking about his five strategies for success, along with the challenges that farmers are facing. So in general, a, a farm is going to have, you know, really five levers of, of strategies that I think they can pull to make their farm more profitable. So you, know, you think about managing output price, managing yield, managing costs, managing assets, or managing the people of the farm, or really kind of the five, any decision you make on the farm is going to impact one of those five uh, levers. Uh, there's a lot of challenges right now, though, uh, thinking about the uh, farmer's ability to make their farm more efficient by pulling one of those levers. Currently, we see input costs increasing over the past uh, two to three years. One of the major questions is, is how long are these elevated price levels uh, going to last? Are, are we going to see some relief by the end of 2023, or is it going to be more a 2024 time frame uh, that we're going to continue to see these elevated price levels? Obviously. That's being driven by inflation, which is hopefully increasing the output price that farmers receive for all commodities. But uh, we haven't seen some of those levels increase as much as the input prices uh, have increased thus far, which has put a put a margin squeeze on a, on a lot of farms across the United States. We're also seeing issues in the labor supply. So you think about managing people, thinking about retention of dairy employees. Um, it, it's really paramount right now that dairies think about uh, what you're doing for employee engagement, what they're doing to keep employees motivated on the farm, because it's really costly uh, to replace uh, an, an employee. Well, you brought up the challenges. What can a farmer really do about some of those challenges? Tell me some of the strategies out there. 
So on the asset side, one thing that I'm a big advocate of is, is having a plan, right? Uh, setting down, writing your goals down for your farm. What do you want to achieve over the next three to four years? And what are the additional asset purchases or replacements that you're going to need to achieve those goals? That way, when you are able to make some of those purchases, it's purposeful and you make sure that that asset is actually pulling one of those letter, levers. It's either decreasing the cost or increasing the output, you know, your yield on your farm. If it's not doing that, it's not adding to the bottom line. Um, on the people side, you know, being deliberate, making employees feel engaged, increasing retention, that's gonna decrease the cost, your, your cost of labor for your particular dairy. You mentioned some of these strategies, where could a farmer kind of reach out and find out some more information? Direction on where a farmer could go to find out some more of this information? Extension service for the state that you reside in keeps, you know, pretty much all states keep track of budgets and input prices. Pay attention to that. Benchmark yourself against those budgets. If your fertilizer cost is higher, maybe you need to rethink whatever uh, nutrient management plan you're using to under, or, or at least understand why you may be higher and is it paying off in the long run. If your balance sheet is structured differently, you have more machinery or equipment or, um, or other specific assets. Again, uh, being different from some of those budgets isn't necessarily a bad thing, but understanding why the strategic decisions you've made has led to why you're different and is it actually paying off, I think is, is, is the first step in uh, resolving some of these issues. I'm gonna take a little look at the future. You talked a bunch about data collection and what farmers are going to do with it. Do you think we're going to get to a point where we can really utilize that data collection? And who can help us out with that? So there's a lot of data collected in agriculture, both on the farm and not off the farm. And the research that we've done at Purdue has shown that while we have a lot of data, we're not doing a whole lot with it. And this is, again, both on the farm and, and off the farm. I do think we're going to get to a point, especially, you know, one of the, I think the key components of being able to use this data is that uh, the syncing of data sources from various sources, farm data with supply chain data, for instance, right, which then goes to the consumer, which may lead to a, an, an increased output price. Um, we haven't gotten there yet. Um, you know, a study by McKinsey uh, Institute in 2016 ranked agri the agriculture supply chain in general dead last in terms of utilizing data. So I think this shows. Uh, the really rapid improvement that we have ahead of us as we catch up with other supply chains and other industries. Um, but once we do that, and once it starts talking to each other, I think that's really where we'll start to see um, a lot of increased uh, value that we get out of the data that we already currently collect, we just don't use. And that data collection, who do you think is really gonna be out there to help us with it? Is it gonna be the next generation or is there a lot of stuff in the works? So we've seen a lot of outside investment in agriculture. People have probably seen stories of Microsoft now being in agriculture or Apple now being in agriculture. I mean, all of that is true, and that's because they see this opportunity to, to use some of this data that we're already collecting. Um, I know certain agricultural companies are working on it as well. Farmers are also working on it. I think it's gonna be a collective effort uh, to really maximize the value that we get from the data that we collect. How long do you think this is going to take? So I don't have a specific answer for you in terms of that, because I, I think there's some varying components as, as we put the puzzle pieces together. Um, you know, and I think as we get to the next plateau, we're going to see what, what we're missing from it currently and, and just keep building. You know, I, I really think we're probably five to 10 years off to get to where 
Uh, we know we need to be at least here in the future, but I'm sure in five to 10 years, we're gonna know about some other stuff that we could be doing with it that's gonna um, come into play as well. But I, you know, this is not a easy task to do. There's some regulatory issues, there's some ownership issues with the data and sharing of it that I think we'll have to overcome from a legal perspective um, there as well. Um, that's not gonna be easy, but once all that gets overcome and, and you know everyone can benefit from it, you know, and it, this is stuff that I, I think may take time and may be a frustrating process for everyone involved because, again, we know what we, what, what we should be able to do with it. We just can't achieve it right now. Let's take one last look at the roadmap for the steps for success. And you had them all implemented up there. Let's get a review. A typical business, farm business or dairy in this case, has five levers. Managing yield, I think it's going to be paramount that a farm strategically purchases assets to make sure that, that the technology you use, whether it be variable rate or some other new technology adoption, is actually increasing your output. Um, managing costs, uh, is that new asset uh, deep, making you more efficient, maybe making your people more efficient, your employees more efficient? Is it decreasing uh, from the cost that you cost you to produce your output on your farm in some way is, is definitely a question that farmers should be asking. Um, output price, you know, here's where depending on what commodity you're growing, if it's milk, you may not have much control over it, but locking in margins where you can, I think is going to be uh, critical. I know there's going to be some temptation. Uh, I'm a big proponent of hedging risk away. I'm a very risk averse person, but if you know you can make a positive margin, um, locking that in um, and then trying to decrease your costs after that, I think is, is another step that farmers should take. On the people side, again, managing employees, decreasing um, turnover, increasing retention. Uh, it's, it's expensive to uh, replace employees, so um, every little step we do there will again help the bottom line. And that was Dr. Brady Brewer from the Department of Ag Economics at Purdue University. And I'm Jill Welke from the northern end of the world's longest barn here in Eau Claire. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. There goes Pam Youngke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck. Thanks to our equipment. Check out the affordable, efficient, versatile tractor lineup at our equipment and ask for Mr. Versatile, Chunk Gill. Keep up with Pam at MidwestFarmReport.com and on Facebook at Fabulous Farm Babe, on Twitter at Fab Farm Babe, or by downloading the Midwest Farm Report app. Hi, it's Preston from Window World. Today's story comes to us from a frustrated homeowner. Mother Nature was crafty, her plan was plotted. My windows are drafty, they're broken and rotted. I need new windows installed the right way. I want the best quality and can't overpay. Window World's process was easy and seamless. Best decision ever. Boy, I'm a genius. Window World. Call Window World today and be your story's hero. Wisconsin Farm Bureau leadership opportunities have benefited me in multiple ways. Right now, I'm a member of the Farm Bureau Leadership Institute, and I always thought I was a good public speaker. And then we went through some of that training in our very first session, and I had these aha moments that I'm going to use when I am promoting agriculture to consumer groups. WFBF.com. You should reach out to them. A voice for farmers, a vision for agriculture. 
Tom Spitz and David Fink of Settlers Bank, your local independent bank. We are the premier provider of commercial, treasury, mortgage, and private banking services. Our team blends experience with the latest technology to make banking easier. We provide the advice and solutions you need. To learn more, stop by or visit SettlersWI.com. Settlers Bank, timely decisions, people you know. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Being with you makes us happy as pigs in mud. This is the Midwest Farm Report. Oh, you know I had to start with that one this morning. If you have been uh, anywhere pretty much in the state of Wisconsin, chances are that you have already picked up a little bit of rain, maybe a thunder boomer here or there. Let's find out about it with our Compure Financial Ag Weather Update on a Friday. Stumach Ag Meteorologist along with us, and I was abruptly reminded that uh, there was something moving through my uh, 35-pound Sheltie that's not necessarily Always Mr. Agile could find his way up on the bed this morning and uh, did not like uh, thunder at all. So that season has begun. What have we, I mean, it's it's kind of been hit and miss. You'll get a, a sudden downpour and then it slows up and then it comes back heavier again. I imagine it's almost too early to have much for rainfall reports, huh? Oh, I've got a few here and there uh, looking at uh, the Madison area at a third of an inch, 33 hundredths. Lacrosse coming in right now at three tenths, a half inch at Fond du Lac, and I see Reedsburg weighed in with fifty-seven hundredths of an inch. Yeah, so it's underway. Yeah, I had a ninety-some pound dog remind me <laughs> at three o'clock there was thunder. <laughs> yeah, I got like, just thanks, buddy. Yeah, that's right. Linda from uh, Reesville had a quarter of an inch rain. I'm looking at our Midwest Farm Report talk test line, uh, about only about a tenth of an inch. But uh, somebody from, i got to check their number, from the 608 said that they lost power from about 220 on uh, because of a close lightning strike. So, you know, that is the thing about, that we've got to suddenly, you know, we're so used to thinking about plowing and getting your car off the street or whatever. Now we got to start to pivot again and think about that severe weather possibility. And I guess that's going to be around a little bit this weekend, isn't it? That is something we're going to have to talk about here for, especially today. And then we'll get a lot of wind after that. And, you know, that could lead on into Saturday to a little problem as far as power going out, tree branches going down, things like that. Uh, It's back to the spring storm time where we have to be ready. I sat here this morning and I heard the thunder roll and went, oh, yeah, I haven't taken care of the generator. That's not a good plan. So maybe that's got to get handled as well because we're getting into that time of year where it's a little more likely that a storm moves through with some really strong winds and we find ourselves without power. We do have to talk of low pressure, a strengthening system moving up from the southwest or around eastern Nebraska, far western Iowa right now. By tomorrow morning, I'd expect it could very well be pulling away from northeast Wisconsin. So it's going to cross through pretty quickly. Today, we talk about some rainfall that extends from west central and northwest Wisconsin into the eastern parts of the state. Uh, Some sprinkly showers still moving east to Madison through Beaver Dam. And on its way to the east, there is some snow far in the north, far northern Wisconsin, and a little freezing mixed precipitation there, too, uh, north of Wausau, it would appear, north of Shano, heading off to the northeast. So we're getting that mix of precipitation, and I expect that we are going to talk about rain amounts. There's a winter weather advisory for La Crosse. In fact, for La Crosse and Monroe County, from 1 a.m. this morning, uh, 1 a.m. tomorrow morning, until 10 a.m. in the day, 
let me, yeah, that is right. That's Friday night, 1 a.m. until 10 a.m. Saturday morning, because that's most likely when we start to see that change over to some snow and things like that. Not that it's going to be a big accumulation or anything, but some little building in wet snow after some rain, maybe a period of freezing rain mixing in there as well, and very strong winds. There's quite a bit of circulation with this low pressure system, so as it's going to move in, wind is going to become a much bigger factor as we head through later today and on into the day tomorrow talking about some wind gusts that uh, most likely will make their way up toward 40, 45 miles per hour. And that reminds you that that's a lot of wind at this time of the year, and the ground is pretty wet right now. And that does mean, of course, as we talked about, trees that uh, may fall over, branches falling, things like that. We've got a lot to watch as we head through this next 24 to 36 hours for weather changes and condition changes because of the weather as well. I'll have forecast details right after Hi, this. Hi, this is Jacqueline Anderson from the National Weather Service, and we need your help. Every day, precipitation reports are sent in through a group called Cocoa Ross. By telling us how much rain, snow, or sleet you got, you give us ground truth to what the conditions are like out there. Current conditions are the foundation to every forecast and help supplement our radar precipitation estimates. Observers like you give us the most accurate information, which helps make our forecast better. It's easy to join and only takes about two minutes a day. Thanks, Jackie. That's right, less than two minutes a day to become a part of the National Weather Service Rainfall Reporting Network. It helps them do a better job forecasting for you. Find all the details and get signed up today. WisconsinWeatherWatchers.org. Spell it all out. Wisconsin Weather Watchers and join forces with the National Weather Service in Wisconsin. WisconsinWeatherWatchers.org. And of course, you can use your talk text line right now if you've got rainfall reports or something else you want to tell Stu or I. The talk text line, 877-301-FARM. 877-301-3276. I imagine that line's going to get lively later this morning, Stu. Oh, there's going to be lots to talk about, and we all like to mention how much we ended up with out of a system like this. So, yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. I look at that website for rainfall amounts. That's where I pulled a couple off this morning. So that's where those folks are sending their information. Our Compure Financial Ag Weather Update, well, it does include some wet weather. Sounds a lot like spring. Cloudy, windy today, showers, maybe a thunderstorm here or there, and that chance lingering on and off during the day. Low 60s, maybe an upper 50 here and there, and south winds 5 to 15, gusting to 25. New rainfall amounts still up into that half or one inch range, especially in eastern and southern Wisconsin. Still cloudy with rain, maybe a little snow mixing in very late tonight as we fall back toward freezing, low to mid 30s, if you will. Southeast and southwest winds 10 to 20, gusting to 35. Cloudy and windy on Saturday and snow and a rain-snow mix. And that's when that winter weather advisory is in effect for La Crosse and Monroe County, 1 a.m. to 10 a.m. Saturday. Oh, low 40s for highs tomorrow. North winds gusting to 35. And even Sunday, partly sunny, still windy. But mid-50s, that's not a bad turnaround with those winds out of the west and northwest gusting near 35. So really windy, Pam. The heaviest rain, the strongest storminess I'd expect to be in southwest Wisconsin, far southwest Wisconsin. But the rest of us don't miss out and have some rain amounts to add up 
in that half to one inch range, maybe a sloppy inch or so of snow before it's done as well. All right. Busy weekend. Thanks to Stumacher Ag Meteorologist with your Compere Financial Ag Weather Update. Compere Financial, your financial partner committed to agriculture in rural America. Visit Compere.com. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Are you suffering from hair loss, bald spots, receding hairlines? There's a new solution for men and women that uses regenerative medicine to stimulate hair follicles and give you thicker, fuller hair with no surgery. This remarkable treatment is now available here from the regenerative specialists at QC Kinetics. That's right. The same protocols that help relieve joint pain can be used to give new life to dormant hair follicles. QC Kinetics medical professionals can use growth factors from your own body, concentrated and applied to your scalp, restoring hair follicles, preventing further loss, and increasing hair growth. Imagine thicker, fuller hair with no expensive surgery and no downtime. So if you're losing your hair due to aging, pattern baldness, or a medical condition, call now to learn more about exciting natural biologic treatments, regenerative medicine that can stimulate those dormant hair follicles. Get your hair growing naturally again. Call QC Kinetics now for a free consultation. Call QC Kinetics, 608-319-1750. That's 608-319-1750. 608-319-1750. I look at this dairy cow, and again, it's the animal that I love. The things that this dairy cow can do and the way that she can produce milk, to me, there is no substitute for milk in the world. And to be able to keep cows and help cows produce that for people, to me, that's a privilege. I'm Dr. Bill Zimmer, founder of BioVet. Microbials and nutritional support, that's BioVet. Learn more at bio-vet.com. Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Everyone dreams of that one special day. I'm not talking about a wedding day, a push present, or a big anniversary. I'm talking about a special day made just for you. Maybe you paid off the mortgage, finished a marathon, left the dork who couldn't see you for the amazing person you are. It's different for everyone, but it's a day that needs celebrating with a custom piece to bring a Mona Lisa smile to your face. William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Your inspiration, your custom jeweler. You know who tells a great story? Our Tom's Auto Center customers, like Blake, who recently gave us a five-star review. It reads, I appreciated the emailed estimate and text message communication about the repairs. Thanks, Blake. Schedule your appointment, tomsautocenter.com. We'll make sure you get five-star service. Tom's Auto Center. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. Sprucing up your office space can be pretty darn simple with Office Furniture Warehouse of Madison. We design it, we install it, and we even give you a 5% referral discount. Better yet, we take care of the old stuff for you. You deserve a new look. Impressive office furniture with warehouse pricing makes Office Furniture Warehouse America's go-to office furniture store. Visit OFWGoMadison.com or stop by the showroom on Ronald Reagan Avenue on the north side. You're no stranger to hard work and eating right, but your abs are more like flabs. 
Carbon World Health offers Emsculpt, an FDA-approved treatment for men who want to transform their physique. One session is equivalent to 20,000 crunches without the painful recovery. Melt fat, build and tone muscle, then start getting the results you're looking for. Emsculpt at Carbon World Health. Learn more at CarbonWorldHealth.com. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Rob, Aaron Rodgers, uh, let's see here, Brian Gutekun saying that they probably wouldn't even want a first-round pick. Now, I see this with Matt Florio or uh, Mike Florio out there talking, saying that you know, the Packers aren't going to be having these unreasonable demands anymore. It's Aaron Rodgers, though, at the end of the day. Shouldn't the Packers be getting a first-round pick for him? Or how do you see this actually playing out with the Jets if it – you know, happens, which I assume it will. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't think that's unreasonable whatsoever, Evo. I don't, I don't even think a one is enough when you go back and you trace the history the last two or three years, right, of, of the Matt Stafford contract or Matt Stafford trade, I mean, and, and the Russell Wilson trade and things like that. Now, I think when you add it all up, Evo, it's going to come up to first-round value, you know, maybe – maybe a two and a three, a two and a future two, um, whatever 2024 turns out to be. You know, it's, the 2024 pick is going to be completely contingent on how Aaron Rodgers plays in 2023. And so that could obviously up the value of, of the trade. If, if the Jets go 12 and five and Rodgers throws for 4,500 yards and they make the playoffs and he's in the MVP chase, that's going to be a really sweet graphic when it's all said and done. But no, I, I, I'm with you a hundred percent. I, I don't think a one right out of the shoot that number thirteen pick is unreasonable whatsoever. We're you know we're we're talking about one of the better quarterbacks of the last two decades. You you have you absolutely should maximize value. I, I know his season in twenty twenty two was was the epitome of average, but he's only you know he's only eighteen months or fifteen months whatever it is removed from winning an MVP. Actually, winning back to back MVPs. So, um, you know we'll we'll see where it goes from here, Evo Brian. You know. The, the, the problem that Green Bay has, obviously, is there's only one team that, that wants Aaron Rodgers at this point in time. And, and you know, and so, so they're both a little bit between a rock and a hard place. I, I'm not sure anybody has terrific leverage or particular leverage in, in, this, in this trade and in, in this deal. But I, but I think when you add it up, people, they're going to wind up getting, you know, the, the value of a one and, and more than a one for Aaron Rodgers. Interesting. Rob Rice for joining us right now. Uh, Forbes.com, Conley Media, fresh off of VK. So, Robbie, now it's uh, you know it's Jordan Love's time. A lot of people freaking out about the Matt LaFleur comments uh, earlier this week, saying, like, uh, basically to temper your expectations of Jordan Love. I mean, what 
why are people freaking out about that? It's, he's not going to be Aaron Rodgers. He's not going to be Brett Favre. He's going to be Jordan Love. Like, what's realistic for Jordan Love uh, for his first year starting? Yeah, and, and just remember on, on that one, for example, Evo, you know, Aaron Rodgers took over a team in 2008, <clears throat> excuse me, that was 13-3 and three in 2007, went to the NFC Championship game, probably should have won that NFC Championship game against the Giants. They came back in 2008, with 20 of 22 starters, they lost. They lost Brett Favre, obviously, to the Jets in the ultimate irony, and then and then they, they had one <laughs> defensive starter to replace. They, they they brought back 10 of 11. In essence, it was the exact same football team that Aaron Rodgers took over that Brett Favre had led, um, you know, the previous year. And Evo, they fell to six and ten. Yeah. And you know, it was the greatest one year drop in franchise history. That that seven game decline at that point in time. Um, Rodgers was solid that year, obviously. He threw for 4,000 yards, 28 touchdowns, 15 picks. Uh, but he couldn't win close games. And, and that, that wound up being the story of a lot of, a lot of his career in Green Bay. So I, I see where Matt LaFleur is going with this. He, he doesn't want to put a ton on the young kid's plate. And, and, and there are some real parallels where Love is in his career and, and where Rodgers is in his career. We, we've been down that road on, the, on this show many times, just, just how crazy it is these parallels line up from – from how many years they sat to age, um, it, you know, it, it said yeah, the, the the quarterback rating they're going to come in with after three years as a reserve, the touchdowns, the interception ratios, and then things like that. It's it's a tough league, guys. I I think a quarterback needs you know sixteen to twenty four starts before you can absolutely evaluate exactly what to have and, and where he is. So it's 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 going to take Jordan Love a little bit of time, and this offense, I'm sure, some time. Um, you know, to, to, for all of us to figure out exactly who they are and, and what they have and what the strengths are and, you know, where, where, where things look for 2024 and 2025. But, but I, I, I will say this, you know, Evo, I, and I get what LeFleur is doing on tempering expectations. There's going to be a lot more he can put into the playbook in terms of moving Jordan Love around and, and, and getting him on the move and on the run because, you know, that, that, that was the strength of Aaron Rodgers' game for, for a decade plus. Connecting producers and consumers one story at a time. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Bidding a soggy farewell to the month of March today. We'll see daytime highs right around 62. Tomorrow, 42. Sunday, 58. Monday, 59. Tuesday, more rain, 53 degrees. I'm Pam Youngke. Thanks so much for checking in on this, the 31st day of March. Let's see, what can I tell you? On this day back in 1889, the Eiffel Tower is actually opened. A French engineer unfurled a French flag from the top of the tower, which has since become the most iconic landmark in Paris. The Eiffel Tower opened on this day back in 1889. Happy birthday to former Vice President Al Gore. Also celebrating a birthday, actor Richard Chamberlain is 89. Shirley Jones from the Partridge family, she's also 89. Christopher Walken, 80 years young. Ewan McGregor, he's 52. Everybody's celebrating their birthday on this, the 31st day of March. We reported earlier this week about Ag Day at the Capitol. Literally hundreds of farmers from across the state, from different backgrounds, different types of agriculture, different sizes of operation, all working together when it comes to ag policy at the state capitol. 
One of the best parts about Ag Day at the Capitol is just getting to know what's happening in other people's backyard. And that was the case with Brad Olson, a Polk County farmer. Carrie Mess brings us more. One of the best parts of Ag Day at the Capitol is learning from farmers across the state. Brad Olson, a dairy farmer from Polk County, says that in his area, wildlife damage is a significant concern. Having his voice heard by lawmakers when he asked for an increase in wildlife damage limits is one of the reasons he made the drive to Madison. Brad, first off, tell me, what kind of damage do farmers in your area see from wildlife? Yeah, within District 9 of Farm Bureau here, we have a number of farms with excessive wildlife damage um, up in the neighborhood of sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 a year uh, from all kinds of, of wildlife. That's elk, bear, deer, turkeys, geese. Um, anything that's out there does has the potential to do significant wildlife. And we have areas that are just being destroyed by, by wildlife within their, their areas. And what are you asking lawmakers to do to help that situation? To get more funding. Current, currently, $10,000 is the maximum. So if, if you have $60,000 worth of damage, you're only going to get $10,000 back at, at the maximum. Um, so what's being asked today is, is to simply to raise that number um, and make it higher, get it closer to, to what the actual costs are. Um, because as we heard here today, the money is there to do it. It's, it's just a matter of getting it done. There has been a lot of support for reintroducing species such as elk and wolves in the northern part of the state. But with that, an increase in damages for farmers has been seen. Even with that, farmers aren't asking for the animals to not be there, right? Yeah, it isn't. It isn't that they, they shouldn't be here or can't be here. Um, at, a, at a recent listening session we had in District 9, uh, there was a farmer there from northern Wisconsin in, in the elk area where they were destroying an 80-acre cornfield um, every year. So if we're going to reintroduce those that type of wildlife and they're going to do that much damage on a particular farm, uh, then we owe that individual some in, to be paid back some of, of, you know, or the biggest share of what he's losing. That was Brad Olson representing Wisconsin Farm Bureau's 9th District at Ag Day at the Capitol. Currently, farmers can only claim losses due to wildlife up to $10,000. He is hoping that the farmers' voices being heard at the Capitol will encourage lawmakers to raise that limit. For the Midwest Farm Report, this is Carrie Mess. Thanks, Carrie. And if you haven't done it already, pop on over to MidwestFarmReport.com or Fabulous Farm Babe on Facebook and follow up with some of the pictures and different stories that uh, Stephanie and Carrie had a chance to gather at Ag Day at the Capitol. Well, markets are waiting for the big USDA prospective planting report today in Chicago. Right now, December corn's down a penny at 566. November soybeans are down nearly four cents, $13 even. July wheat down seven and a half right now, trading at 697 a bushel. Barrel cheese on Thursday dropped three cents to 187 and a half. 40 pound black cheese was down a penny at 192 and a half. The double A butter unchanged 239 and three quarters per pound. April milk currently is seven cents lower at 1939. May milk currently eight cents lower and it's at 1853 a weight. Market volatility is something we should expect today in front of USDA's prospective planting report and making sure that you're taking advantage of any opportunity that this one report can generate for your farm 
in 2023. Kind of a critical strategy you should have in place. We're talking about it next with Glenn Wachtler. He is a grain specialist and one of the team members on Compure Financial's management side of things. He is going to chat with us about some of the areas he's focused in on when it comes to finding profitability with high input costs and a volatile market scene out there. Stick around. That's on the way for this finally Friday morning. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Do you have a history of white mold or SDS in your bean fields? While you can never predict when disease will occur, using the right seed treatments can reduce your risk of yield loss when it does. Did you know adding heads up to your seed treatment package brings a proven mode of action that primes your beans so they're ready to fight off disease all season long? Ask your seed dealer to apply heads up for protection against both white mold and sudden death syndrome this season. Learn more at headsupst.com. You can't change the price of gas or groceries, but you can change the amount of your energy bill. Benjamin Plumbing is now a certified dealer of Renai tankless water heaters. The number one tankless water heater in North America. They're up to 40% more energy efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot day and night with your old water heater. Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state-of-the-art, energy-efficient Renai tankless water heaters, including a factory-extended warranty. Save money with endless hot water for your home with a new Renai water heater from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses, I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. The nightmare of working with some contractors is much like being on a bad date. They take forever to return your call. When they do show up, they leave your house a mess, and then they throw in weird surprises. Swipe left. Actuate Improvement is a full-service design and remodeling company who does return your calls, leaves your property clean, and never any awkward surprises. Swipe right, and let's get the conversation started with a complimentary estimate. ActuateLLC.com. Design. Create. Actuate. If your workout includes baling hay and pitching pens, then you'll be comfortable right here. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, we're still doing more farming at the kitchen table and via calculators than we are as far as weather is concerned. But I'll tell you what, pretty soon, everybody's going to get busy. Time to catch up with our friends from Compure Financial who have been busy through the winter months, uh, working with you as far as financial counseling is concerned, preparing your taxes, getting your operating budgets lined up for this year, and now helping you do risk management even before that seed is out of the bag. Joining us today, Glenn Walker. He's one of the financial officers with Compure Financial, but he's also a member of the grain group within Compure Financial. So much of what agriculture is is beyond our control, the weather international geopolitical kinds of things, and input costs to a large extent. We do what we can, Glenn. There's been some fluctuations on certain elements of input costs going into the growing season of 2023, but I've got to believe that's one of the areas where your eye is constantly trained. Yeah, that's that's for sure. It, so far, it looks like um, this 2023 year is going to be the, the um, highest um, price crop that's going in the ground. So that means those inputs are the highest price inputs that we've seen 
And that really has an effect where um, the producers really have to watch your risk management because any any fluctuation in those prices, it means that we have more to lose. So we're really watching those input prices. It does look like it's going to be one of the highest priced crops, if not the highest priced crops that we've put in the ground. And that goes right from um, the fertilizer that, that we see and the seed directly going in as an input. But also we're tracking the equipment costs, land costs, and those things that don't change e- easily from year to year. And those have gotten higher as you can imagine, too, Pam. Absolutely, for sure. Now, let's talk a little bit about the other side of that equation, and that obviously is where the market is moving. Now, a year ago, uh, everything being said about Russia, Ukraine, we started to see our move- market moving in one direction. You know, this year, Glenn, it feels like it's going in the other direction. There's a couple different elements that you want to discuss, not the least of which is our international situation. Also, what's happening on the West Coast with this sudden desire for biodiesel. And then uh, maybe up close and personal, what farmers are actually going to do this year when it comes to planted acreage? Yeah, these these are really some of the um, it's some of the most uh, turmoil that we've seen for a while in the markets. You mentioned that it's last year had a completely different feel, and I I agree with that. There's so many things right now um, that are affecting these markets. It's the supply which we're used to watching. How many acres are going to be planted? How many? Um, uh, what's the yield going to be? We're used to looking at that supply. But now um, the demand side of the equation really um, peaked its head in here. And we're watching this demand really closely. And we'll get a better idea on it um, on this report that's coming up here. But there has been some things that are affecting that demand already. And that's uh, you mentioned the exports, the pizza exports have been a little bit soft. And, and now South America has really kicked in and able to export some of the crop that they have grown. Yes, Argentina did have a short crop due to the La Nina weather there, but Brazilian crop has just about made up for that shortfall, and it is up over last year's production significantly. So that is affecting our exports, and as you mentioned, the the biofuels and the ethanol, um, the USDA is forecast a drop, drop in the ethanol usage. So it's really, really... Um, being uh, being part of that reason why the demand side has been soft. And we're looking at, um, you, you had mentioned also um, some of those other influences in the market, and that's things we really have no control over, which means um, the Fed is increasing interest rates at a record pace, and there's a, a drop in the actual money supply out there, meaning there's less money out there, especially in foreign countries, to buy our grain. So a lot of things that are out of our control are affecting the demand right now. And it's it's really showing up in these crop prices that we've seen uh, tail off here the last month or so. Yeah. And, you know, we mentioned uh, international demand, that one of the big players that we had always uh, hoped to have uh, engaged with us, China. They have been... Uh, only sporadically dealing with us. And a lot of people say that's because of the geopolitical connections but with Russia. That, again, like we said, nothing we can really uh, plan for or around, but it definitely influencing these markets. 
It sure, it sure is. Um, our exports, especially when you're looking at China, has um, has really been slow to take off here, and now they're looking towards South America and and Russia and Ukraine. That um, that grain coming out of the Black Sea region directly competes with our grain, and China has been looking as the U.S. as almost that last resort for the. Um, for the crops. Mm-hmm. Uh, one other thing in that regard that is important here is to keep an eye on Mexico, which uses um, a vast amount of U.S. corn goes uh, into Mexico as exports. And Mexican um, Mexican administration has been talking about not using um, our uh, GM crops, which that would be a major impact, um, both to the U.S. and Mexico. It's it's really almost dismissed out there as, well, they'll come around and it, it's a marketing ploy. However, we do need to keep our eye on that and, uh, and also look at the fundamental reasons why they are saying those things. And it, it can impact the market. It's something that we have to keep our eye on as well, Pam. Yeah, I agree with you. Glenn, Glenn Wachtler is along with us. He is a part of the grain group for Compure Financial, and we're talking about some of the elements that they are constantly keeping their eye on when it comes to risk management, and that's going to be the name of the game for the growing season of 2023. So that people don't feel like they're going to jump off the roof here, Glenn, with no good news. You know, one thing that I have noticed is we've got a lot of processing facilities that should be completed sometime during the growing season 2023 in states like uh, Iowa, Minnesota, uh, and we talked about the West Coast demand for renewable fuels. But what we have seen is an increased interest from them for biodiesel based on some of that soybean consumption. There are some positive elements that we seem to be getting a handle on here domestically. Oh, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, Pam. Um, renewable diesel has been where our soy oil is going, and, and that um, that soy oil has been just a reason why that soybean market had been so strong for so long and that renewable diesel which has been used on the west coast for a um for quite a while now as a green product and it it really has been adopted very well by the trucking companies and everyone that uses diesel out there it's a product that's made from the ground up um from either palm oil soy oil or or else um reclaimed uh cooking oils and fats you can use almost anything to make the renewable diesel, but it's been a great story as um, as really a premium fuel out there, and using a lot of our uh, soy oil here. And so we're we're really um, looking forward to building more plants and hopefully having the uh, EPA also recognize that growth in the renewable diesel, so that their um, their plans for renewables and the usage really keep up with what's going on in that in that renewable diesel field. So the renewable diesel has um, the uh, production in this country has uh, just about caught up with the biofuels like um, like uh, biodiesel. And that's really the new plants being built on the renewable diesel. That is um, going to be a source of demand for years to come, not just uh, not just in the near future, but that should help us out for a long time. 
Right, and that could also be something we see later today when USDA comes out with their perspective planting report. We'll keep you posted on that. Again, Glenn Wachtler along with us, member of the Grain Group for Compure Financial. Before I let you go, though, Glenn, how about uh, some sage advice for some of the growers that are out there uh, still struggling to try to figure out, you know, it's not even in the ground yet. How do I risk management? How do I risk manage? How much do I take as far as a a place in the marketplace when I'm not really sure what Mother Nature is going to do to me, not really sure what's going to go on. How do you counsel them on risk management at this stage of the growing season? Yeah, at this stage before it's in, um, really I will be working with producers. And before the crop is planted, I mean, you can get a good share of your crops based on these crop insurance um, programs that we have that really take the risk out of our production or a lot of the risk out. Um, I've seen producers up to 50% contracted before anything goes in the ground. And that's just based off of um, the profits that they see by looking at what's on the paper in front of them. They can see it's going to be a profitable year if they can um, contract their crops for X amount. So a lot of times um, it's not too early to start selling even even as the crop is just starting to go um, still in the bag and, and not even in the ground yet. And remember, uh, some of the best times to market grain is uh, March through through June coming up. And really, if you look at that time period, before that crop is in the ground, that's, that's a great time to market your crops. So look for that, uh, look for that spring time frame. And right now, it may not hurt to get some protection on. Um, look at it as if you still have profits out there, maybe we should look at and taking some of those and, and contracting some grain just to have something, a starting point, um, and take a little bit of the risk out of what we're seeing right now, Pam. Good people like Glenn Wachtler are along to try to help you with those risk management decisions. Remember, he's a member of the Grain Group and a part of the financial management team for Compure Financial. They're available at the click of a mouse. Go to compure.com, find a local office near you. And I also want to remind you, there are plenty of educational resource materials available at compure.com as well. If you want to read up a little bit or study about some of those risk management tools that are out there, be before you get together with your loan officer. Glenn Wachtler, our guest this morning, along with us from Compure 